Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Hope you all are having a great day. Uh, episode 69 here today on this uh, Friday. And if you're listening right when we drop, there have been a good bit of news uh, since the last time we recorded this last week, especially in the baseball realm of things. But we're going to keep it rolling today, a little bit shorter of an episode. Um, just go through it fairly quickly um but of course like we always do we're gonna turn up the heat to start i will kick it off real quick uh mine is that jalapeno ranch sunflower seeds are really really good um i had ranch before you have what like dill pickle ranch original barbecue like those are the classic ones but you're a little more exotic with it and uh jalapeno ranch are really really good i would say they're underrated but i don't really know how the general population feels about them yeah, specify the fire eating. Spec- specify the brand though. The the Chinook ones. I don't he know. Ball. I don't know who all makes them. Um, but yeah, they're really really good. Tried them a few days ago. One of the new flavors, and yeah, probably get more in the future. No, I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, the Hall Ranch. It's one of my one of my fa- listen. I think I like all the flavors at Chinook. Um. I said it before, I'm not a big deal pickle seed guy. <clears throat> Pardon me. However, my girlfriend is. She likes deal pickle seeds, not the guy part. Um, <laughs> I tried them because I got her bag. I tried them. They're good. Um, they're I would I would eat them if someone was like, hey man, you want a handful of these? And they were dill pickle from Chinook. I eat them. Um, the hatch chili is okay. It's it's all right. Lemon pepper is all right. Uh, all the other flavors are great though. And the jalapeno ranch is definitely. One of my probably one of my three favorites. I think they've got three elite seed flavors. The jalapeno ranch being one. I think their original seeds are really really good. They're not overly salty, which yeah, is like what they're known for. And then the the cinnamon toast because it's just no one else really makes a really good sweet tea like that except for except for that's gonna be my um, next one. Oh dude, it's good. Trust me. There's a uh, company forget the name, but they make us like a like a like a, they do like a kettle roasted seed. Like a kettle cook, but they do a uh, like a kettle corn, like sweet and salty deal. Very good. That's probably my favorite seed. Um, but yeah, no, the, the I think that's a I think that I think that's a good take. It's a good hot take. It's potentially hot because it's like I don't know people. I think people sleep on chinooks. I think a lot of people are like with the bigs, which I think is a little overrated. I'll be honest. But not the old bay though. No, the old bay are good. I did try yeah, those yeah. for the first time over over at Brett's apartment over the weekend. Uh, very good. Um, but my hot take today, staying with the food hot take, trying to stay away from the sports hot takes. We've got a lot of those in the pod. Uh, I'm trying to, trying to get away from it this week. Um, artificial orange flavored beverages, excluding like Fanta and like the sugar loaded sodas because it don't count. So like any sort of energy drink, any sort of Mio um, like flavor packet. Um, let's see what else they do. Like, like a, um, similar to a Mio, uh, the, what is it? Like Hawaiian, uh, Hawaiian punch does a brand, uh, does like a, yeah, they have an orange that's included in this all crystal light packets and crystal light adjacent products. Um, so you, you get what I'm saying. Um, now I gonna specify before I say this. Orange by itself, not orange creamsicle, because the orange creamsicle ghost, 
top three energy drink out. Top three. Firmly. Mm, top four. The new ghost mm-hmm. flavor is very good. Top four. But all those things that I just mentioned, trash. Terrible. Worst ever. There's not a worse tasting flavor than fake orange. Like I'm I'm being so serious. All this fake orange drink stuff, terrible. I saw someone yesterday, little crystal light packet. They poured it in orange. I said, do you disgust me? I just said it to their face, but I was like, yeah, that's that's sickening. That's gross. Um, yeah, I mean. Like, emergency is like, meh, but like, you just drink it because you need it when you're sick. But like dog, the, like they do like a pink lemonade flavor. I think it's like a it's a it's a pink slash red flavor of emergency. Ten times better because the orange is tragically bad. I'll stand on that to any sort of pre workout. That's just orange, not like orange creamsicle. That's different. That's got like a sweetness to it, right? Pre workout powders, beverages. It's all terrible. Like orange juice is great, but like. And I'll rip through some mimosas. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I'm, I'm all about orange juice with beverage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm with it. But, yeah, that's all terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a bad take. I don't have a whole lot of flavored things, honestly. Um, I really just don't drink much in general. I mean, I don't really even drink water that much. Um, okay, this is this was funny. This, this was hilarious. So, we were at a birthday party on Friday for um, – we know we we are friends with her, but we are friends with her through our girlfriends. That's how you know what I mean. So like it was there in the same story as her, it's her birthday, twenty first birthday, and I had my I wasn't drinking. I had just like my I've got a I've got a two liter clear Chargers water bottle. It's great. Wouldn't call it like a douchebag a gallon jug, but this is like this is good enough. Gets it done for me. Get a lot of water in here. I drink two a day. Try to say hydrated, right? And someone's like, how many of those do you drink a day? And I was like, eh, about two. So it's like just over a gallon. And, um, and someone goes, what about you, Brett? And he goes, eh, 20 ounces. <laughs> that, that about 20 ounces a day. Yeah, about. Give or take a few. So we got time on the pod today to tell some anecdotal stories. Right. I mean, never been a huge fan of water. Um, <laughs> to be honest, just, just really any drink. It's not like I like got to die for any drink. Um, I mean, I love, like, Dr. Pepper. I love, like, all sodas. Um, and I really just never really drink them. Um, I like some drinks. Um, not, not too picky. Not too picky on my drinks in that regard. But, uh, but I will say. Disregard the Coors Light. No, that's, that's up there. That's definitely up there on the on the power rankings. But, uh. Ooh, maybe we'll do a power rankings one of these days when we have nothing to do. Listen, we're about to get to the slow season of sports. Especially like when the draft is over, it's just it's just baseball, right? And like the occasional golf. <clears throat> maybe we'll do some like some food because Brett's got some. You guys have heard Brett's got some takes. Maybe we'll do like some uh, some like some power rankings. Playing on the pod on the pod. That's how it usually goes. Um, of course. Two food, two food. I, my goal next week not a food hot take next week. I got to figure out like a. Maybe something like really pisses me off when I drive. That'd be a funny one. Uh, something funny. Something really gets the gets the gets the the heat cranked up before we start the pod. Um, but yeah, that's hard to stop today. Um, 
had some big MLB news this week. We had what two contracts signed over seven figures. Um, a uh, former Cy Young winner got traded, and a former Cy Young winner, multiple Cy Young winner, uh, resigned with the team. We don't have a number on him. We'll start it off with uh, an order of operations here. We'll go uh, two for two. Uh, I'll take two. You take two. Uh, I'll get the All first right. two. We got second baseman Jose Altuve signed a five-year, $125 million extension to stay in Houston. He's now under contract for the next six years. I know his contract was good. He's kind of coming up on a walk, pardon me, on a walk year. Uh, I expect him to get a deal done around this time, maybe a little bit uh, later towards uh, the start of on opening day. Uh, but this is kind of how Houston operates. They, they usually don't let guys get to free agency. They don't let them walk. Um, understandably so. Um, so they lock up, they lock up their guy and uh, get a deal done. And then the next one here, uh, quickly, uh, left-handed pitcher Clayton Kershaw's re-signing with the Dodgers on another one-year deal. Uh, we don't have a figure yet. I know he's going to start the year on the 60-day IL. They waited, which made a lot of sense. He waited for the 60-day window to open, uh, or the IL window to be open, or placed open to be placed on it. Um, so they didn't burn a roster spot on him. So he re-signed. Uh, Earlier this week, I want to say Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, I think Monday. Um, Monday or Tuesday, one of those two days. But um, the days ran together this week. But yeah, he got he resigns for another year. Um, we're coming up on him. It's I keep thinking it's going to be the last year, and then he, he comes back. So yeah, we'll see. Um, he had elbow surgery or arm surgery. Not like Tommy James had that kind of a cleanup on uh, his arm. Um, so we'll see how, he, how when he's back. I think June, July, August is kind of the target range. And then get him ramped up if he wants to po- pitch in the postseason. We'll see. Um, hopefully the Dodgers don't need him. It's like they don't have to have him be a frontline starter. Hopefully between Yamamoto, Glass, now Bueller, and Bobby Miller, you know, two of those four guys um, can be healthy and and uh, and, and dealing uh, come October. So yeah, good signing there, and then good extension by the Astros to lock up their guy who's been with them since like 2011. A big signing. Uh, Shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. from the Royals signed an 11-year, $288.7 million contract extension with the team. It has opt-outs after the 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th seasons. Uh, Contract also included a three-year club option. So once the 11 years is up, if there are no opt-outs from Bobby within the deal, the team can opt to add three years to the deal and about... 89 million as the deal can escalate to 14 years, nearly 378 million. Really good contract for one of the best upcoming stars of the league and a guy that, as long as he's healthy, we'll be seeing at the end of April in person as they play against the Tigers in Detroit. That should be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, really big contract there. And then probably overall the biggest move of the week. The Orioles were sold last week and. About the day after, even though nothing has been completely finalized um, and voted on, about the day after, the Milwaukee Brewers traded right-hander pitcher Corbin Burns to the Orioles for shortstop Joey Ortiz, who could likely replace Willie Adamas um, if they trade him. And Ortiz is the 63rd-ranked prospect in the MLB pipeline. Um, And then left-hander pitcher D.L. Hall, who just recently graduated from the prospect list. Two guys that, uh, I mean, D.L. was in a reliever role to a lesser degree this year. And then Joey was never going to see the field in Baltimore with the number of players and prospects that they already have ahead of him with Ortiz and hall. in this deal also is the 34th overall pick in the 2024 MLB draft. 
that the Orioles were given uh, basically a competitive balance pick as those are the only picks that can be traded. They were gra- or given that uh, by Brandon Hyde winning manager of the year. So that pick is going to Milwaukee in addition with the two players. As for Corbin Burns, a guy that's been sub three ERA four of his last five seasons, won a Cy Young in 2021, and he is entering a contract year in 2024 and is due $15.64 So a really good contract uh, for this one year, and we'll see if they can get an extension before the season ends. I fully expect them to get something done with him. I would be genuinely shocked if they didn't. Um, just just given, like, you don't trade for guys and not pay them like this. Especially if this is a deadline deal, I'd have some pause. I, I think they're going to pay right. This I told you, I think I told you just right when it happened. This reminds me a lot of the the Mookie Betts deal, right? Like, was Boston going to trade him at the deadline? They don't. They hold on to him. And then it's like, well, everyone kind of knows he's going to get traded. Boston tries to shut it down. Then he ends up being – he ends up a Dodger, what, four weeks later, five weeks later? So um, similar timeline. Dodgers got him paid in a couple of weeks um, after he got yeah, after he got traded over. So, again, I think, I think, I think they're going to pay Burns new ownership. You make this move right after, like it's not a coincidence. Right. I mean, like they decided to pull the trigger. Um, so I think I think Burns gets a deal, and I think it's gonna. Oh man, if it's tough to say, if Burns decides he wants to, if he wants to play the year, bet on himself, and bet on having a bounce back season. Not that he had a bad year, but like a bad year to his standards. If he has another, if he has a bounce back year, Burns is how old? Thirty, thirty or twenty nine. 30? Uh, I think he's 29. I'm looking right now just because this is important for the conversation just for the sake. He's 29, born in 94, so he'll be 30 this year, 30 in October. He can either choose to sign a deal now, and he'll get a lot of money. He, I don't know if he'll get Garrett Cole or Yamamoto money, but he's also older than Yamamoto, and Garrett Cole was – I mean, you don't see guys like Garrett Cole hit, for you, hit, hit the market. Um but I I do think he could get a three million dollar contract genuinely. I don't know yeah. if a team. Basically, the question is like how long? What's what's this? What's the time frame on the contract? How long are they gonna sign him for? Um, that's the one reason I think he might not is because it'd be a ten year deal. I don't think you're signing Corbin Burns for ten years. I think this is gonna be like a like a five six year deal. Um, where he probably gets. She probably gets thirty a year, dude. He probably gets 30, yeah. 32 a year. Um, he probably gets like 200 over mm, 200 over six, something like that. Yeah, that's kind of what I think it's going to be roughly. Um, so I think I think he gets signed. I think he's going to be an Oriole uh, long term. Again, you don't trade, you don't make this deal um, if you're not going to if you're not going to pay him. Also, I like to point out. I believe this is the first year we've had well, – this is the first time we've had a draft pick traded because this is a new rule. You can trade I believe picks. believe so, yeah. Um, this is the first pick that's ever been traded, I think, in the MLB history, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, yeah, but I, I think, think this so. is the first one that's ever been traded, uh, which is cool. Obviously, it's like a high pick, so it's not um, – nothing. it's nothing like it's a, like it's a, a, a round 10 of 20 pick, right? That's, that's meaningless. Um, that's a literal dartboard throw. But this is – I mean, 34th overall pick – um, that's technically considered a round one pick, so they like the competitive balance rounds, right? So it's I don't know if it falls in in round one or not. I think it does. 
Technically, I think. That's what I thought. Um, so, no, really good get for the Orioles. This is the guy. This is the front line starter they needed. I know Bradish had a really nice year. There's a lot of hope in Grayson Rodriguez, and they've got other guys there. But like, they don't have a. There's they don't have a guy who's a solidified ace. There's no solidified. We've seen it for multiple seasons, ace, and that's what they're getting in, in Corbin Burns. <clears throat> and there's not a lot of guys like that in Major League Baseball. So. Um, Corbin's also one of the best. He has a bounce back here. He went another Cy Young. So great get for the Orioles. Potentially to join an elite club of two league Cy Young winners. The fact that Blake Snell is a part of it bothers me still. But I digress. I think, listen, a guy who leads, and I get why he won it, but the guy guy who leads, leads, leads the league in walks per nine and gets a Cy Young, that's crazy work, dude. Right. Uh, also, it's like the club that he's in. It's like he's yeah. It's like the um, you know the meme where it's like the f- it's five soldiers and the four former soldiers and then one in the middle is a clown. They're like they're ready to go like clear yeah. out a, a house. That's what Blake Snell in the in the graphic of the other four Cooperstown pitchers looks like. So um, yeah, that's uh, either way. Corbin Burns would be a rightful addition to the group. That's all I'll say. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, looking forward to the year he's gonna have. In Baltimore, hopefully it's a good one. Um, but moving on here to golf real quick. So last weekend, we had our first elevated event of the year with a loaded field at AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. The purse was $20 million, so the winner brought home 3.6. Justin Rose won it in 2023, and an event in an event that was shortened three rounds uh, with bad weather on Sunday and Monday, the reigning U.S. Open champion Wyndham Clark Won it by one shot at 17 under, shooting a course record 12 under 60 with nine birdies, two eagles, and a bogey. Uh, he took home 3.6, like I said, over the three rounds. And in second, uh, Ludwig Aberg came in second at 16 under. Lost an opportunity at challenging Wyndham, obviously, with the weather um, canceling the final round on Sunday. He still took home almost 2.2. Um he is now up to 11th in the official world golf rankings, which is crazy. Granted, it is a little bit skewed because of the all the players in the Live Tour do not factor into that. So uh, a little bit skewed, not the 11th, 11th best golfer in the world. However, quite the accomplishment, and um, he's been playing great so far, one of the best swings, most consistent games on tour. Uh, but starting today, we had one of the best events of the year in the Waste Management Phoenix Open has what I think is the best atmosphere of any event on the calendar. Scotty Scheffler won it last year at the stadium course at TBC Scottsdale, and the event has a purse of 8.8 mil. Through round one, Sahith Thagala uh, is at six under and shot a 65, I believe it's a par 71 course, uh, 65 with seven birdies and a bogey. Course was playing a little tough, a little cold for Arizona standards, um, and a little bit rainy as well. I think it took some players up to nine hours to finish their round, start to finish. Um, so, yeah, long day there in Phoenix. Um, but looks like there's going to be better weather throughout the rest of the weekend. So hopefully the tournament gets close. But expect the winner to be somewhere around 16 under. Um, if I had to guess, if the weather continues, then maybe like 13 under. But we'll see. Uh, really looking forward to watching it this weekend. One of the most electric events in golf. Like you said, hopefully, hopefully weather kind of stays away, um, but it should be a really, really good opening. Um, 
Yeah, waste waste management's always a, a treat. Um, truly, like, like no environment like it in in the world uh, for from a golf perspective. Um, maybe some of the live events, but like of the actual like you know stateside events, this is easily uh, easily the best environment. It's pretty crazy. Um, we'll see if Scotty can win it again. Um, hopefully, we see. I just hope we see some good golf. Obviously, I, I think the players really enjoy it. I think like the old heads who follow golf are like, you know, shake their fist at it and tell it to get off their lawn. But like, this is entertaining stuff. It's 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 really good stuff. And I think the golfers enjoy it. I think they enjoy the environment. And uh, I'll definitely be, I will for sure be watching some clips. That's for sure. Um, but I'll def I'll probably I'll, I'll probably tune in. I've got uh, I'm going to California on on uh, for this weekend for my grandpa's 80th birthday party. Um, Shout out Pop Pop, it's my guy. Um, so probably have the golf tournament on. It's uh, parties at Saturday at noon, so I'll probably have it on. It'll definitely be on at his party. Um, so I'll watch, and then uh, I'll probably miss the entire last round on Sunday flying home. But uh, nevertheless, definitely checking it out. And um, yeah, should be good. Like you said, environments uh, environments tight. So 8.8 million dollars. You better go play some good golf this weekend. I'm trying to win 8.8 right. mil, right? In Arizona, no less. And pay that many taxes on it as much as you would elsewhere. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, should be good there. NHL is an off week. We got a stats update next week for you guys. That means we got an NBA standings update first. Trade line was trade deadline was today, and I think Brett's got a a list of the trades or some of the notable trades pulled up that we can kind of touch right. on real quick, and then we will uh, we'll get the standings and keep it pushing. Yeah, so honestly, you know, in years past, there have been a good bit of trades, um, especially on trade deadline day within those last probably 10 hours. It's when you see it go crazy more so than any other sport. Today, though, we did have a few, none that were huge, but, you know, we had some good trades. Uh, the Bucks traded Robin Lopez to the Kings. The Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks opted to keep DeJounte Murray. The Spurs traded Doug McDermott to the Pacers for a second and Marcus Morris um Patrick Beverly was traded from the Sixers to the Bucks um Charlotte Hornets traded their forward PJ Washington to the Mavs for Grant Williams, Seth Curry and a first Gordon Hayward was traded to the Thunder from the Hornets um for Trey Mann and Davis Bertans what else I don't think there's a whole lot else um the Pistons traded Alec Burks to the Knicks. That's right. Um, that's about it. Not really a whole lot went down. You didn't really get that big name deal. Um, and then other than Buddy Heald going from the Pacers to the Sixers um, for a, a load of stuff. Sixers seem like the main St- team. Calling it stuff is certainly a choice. <laughs> you know, players, picks, uh <laughs> Just group a, it a, in. a combination of things. Right. An assortment of goods, if you will. As Drake would say, a combination. <laughs> we're, we're not talking Drake on the pod today. <laughs> not this week. But yeah, but but uh, but yeah, we, we definitely had some good trades. It wasn't the Kevin Durant, uh, Bradley Beal that we had last year, but um, still some good trades. Sixers look like a team that are pushing for, um, you know, pushing for a run this year, seemingly like they do most years, but can never. Pull through. Nonetheless, um, a lot of teams 
you know, try and buy at the deadline and it doesn't really work out for anyone. But, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it in terms of the trade deadline. Nothing big standings update though. In the East in eighth, we have the magic at 27 and 24, 12 games back of the Celtics heat are at 28 and 24, 11 and a half back. Indiana Pacers at 29 and 23, 10 and a half back. Two games above them are the 76ers at 30 and 20. Two and a half games above the 76ers are the New York Knicks at 33 and 18, tied with the Bucks. And then in second, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers at 33 and 16, which are five games back of the number one seed Boston Celtics at 39 and 12. Well, Celtics have been, I think they've been one in every single Eastern Conference ring we've done. So not a lot of change here. Yeah. Um, league continues to grow for them. Not shocking. Um, so let's put this in perspective. The fourth best team in the, in the East is six games back. And the eighth best team in the West is seven games back. Well, being the Mavericks at 28 and three, the Kings are five and a half back at 29 and 21 Suns at 30 and 21 tied with the Pelicans, uh, five back. So what would that be? They're tied at fifth there. Um, both at 30 and 21 Clippers at 34 and 16, a half game back. You've got a three way tie at number one with three teams sitting at 35 and 16 being the Nuggets, the Timberwolves and the Thunder. Um, obviously, Timberwolves and Thunder have been up here for a while. Nuggets up there as well. Had a little bit, a bit of a fall, um, obviously getting back. So um, tight Western Conference. I think it'll be tight down the whole stretch and then we'll kind of see what happens in the plan and all that stuff. But Certainly going to be – I'm surprised we didn't see any other bigger moves from any of the Western Conference contenders to kind of separate themselves, if you will. Right, yeah. I thought we would see more in the West. but then, I mean, obviously the East where the main team is making the trades outside of the Mavs, trading for P.J. Washington. But at the end of the day, I mean, teams have different goals in mind, similar to every other sport. And, uh, you know, maybe you think a team is a buyer and they have – a bigger picture view and they're trying to get rid of guys and bring in guys to the draft or whatever. So um, that's that standings update. Like we said, we'll have a hockey stats update next week. Basketball is about to go on all-star all break. NHL is just coming off their all-star break. Um, so if you're into that kind of stuff, skills, challenges, uh, rising stars, games, all-star games are all coming up for basketball but as we move down to the college level for basketball a little bit of a rankings update as we have every week so UConn Purdue and North Carolina stay as one two and three respectively the biggest risers on the week South Carolina went from unranked to 15th Alabama went from 24th to 16th as for the teams that dropped the most Texas Tech went from 15 to 23 after two close losses and Kentucky went from 10 to 17 after a disappointing loss in terms of the ranked matchups, we have a couple of Big 12 ones, a couple involving Kansas. This this Saturday, we have 13 Baylor going to Lawrence to play number four Kansas. And then Monday night, we have number four Kansas at number 23 Texas Tech. Will be a whiteout. Um, should be a lot of fun. I'll be at the game Saturday and Monday, but just looking forward to some good basketball. I know Tech's on a three-game skid. Um, you know, a lot of their team, including their coach, have been fighting an illness. We've had guys miss games due to illness. So a um, little bit of a rough stretch, but nonetheless, um, it's part of the game. I mean, a team hanging around each other that much, someone picks up something and the rest of the team could get it. 
Um, just got to bounce back, find a way to rebound. Uh, no pun intended. Tech's pretty poor at rebounding this year. But, um, yeah, figure out a way to get back on track, win a few, and uh, get right back in the mix to the top of the Big 12. But making predictions for this, Baylor at Kansas. I'm going to go Kansas, and then Kansas at Tech. I think I'll pick Tech. You know, I know Tech lost to Cincinnati, and I know it's a top five team in Kansas, but this is a good bounce back opportunity for Tech in front of an incredible environment that we're going to have Monday night. And I think the team's going to finally be over the sickness or whatever they've been dealing with and put on a good show. I'm going to go Kansas to win an Allen Fieldhouse. Um, Baylor, it's tough to say what Baylor is, right? Like they look really good some weeks, and they and they looked they looked great in the second half against Tech. I actually didn't watch the game. I ended up watching the highlights, um, kind of the next day after I, I had an exam uh, on on Wednesday, so I didn't watch the game. But um, no, I thought uh, I played well, but it's like it feels like almost like what what Baylor t- like they they shot terribly in the first half. Like what half of Baylor are you getting, right? So maybe Kansas to win. Uh, at home in Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, as much as I'd like um, to pick Tech to win, I just I'm gonna pick Kansas. Um, there I know they're in Lubbock. I just until they can figure out what they're gonna do on the on the on the on the glass and at the five, unless they can start effective warm watching to figure it out. Joe Toussaint's had probably his worst stretch of games. I know he had a good game against Baylor, but like prior to that, it was his worst stretch of games as a Red Raider. Um, and arguably even last year, Warren Washington again. I know he was sick, but like it's drastically different than it was two weeks ago, um, which is a problem. So until um, we see any sort of an answer and an improvement, I'm I'm gonna go with Kansas to win, uh, despite the fact that it's in Lubbock. Uh, I just think they're too talented across the board. I don't know if the tech defense can hang uh, for a full full 40 minutes of ball. So give me Kansas to win in Lubbock. Yeah, I mean, I thought about going with Kansas, but it's a perfect bounce back opportunity for tech. I mean, I think Kansas will dominate in the paint down low in the post. Um, but I'm just expecting tech to shoot really well because they have for most of the season. I don't think with them being healthy now, um, you know, getting a game under the belt this weekend against UCF, which they should win at home. I think they'll come out hot. I'll be looking forward to that matchup, and let's hope they don't overlook UCF beforehand. But uh, moving on to our final part for the ice bath, uh, Super Bowl pre- preview and predictions. As we look for this matchup, I think it was, at least for us, the matchup neither of us really wanted to see, um, even though it is the matchup that I predicted preseason. Uh, I picked the Chiefs to win it by like 7 or 10, and I'm going to stick with that for this Prediction, um, 49ers Chiefs, 5.30 Central this Sunday on CBS. Niners are favored by one and a half. Um, interesting line there. I'm picking the Chiefs, though, to win. And I think they win, we'll go like 31-24. We'll go 31-24. I think that would be a good, good prediction there. And, uh, and yeah. Picking the Chiefs to win the Lombardi. I have picked against the Chiefs uh, since the wild card round. And they've proved me wrong both times. Um, gonna not make that mistake again. I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win. Uh, what's our what's our line right now? I know it's moved all over the place. What's our line? When I right checked now? earlier, it was San Fran by one and a half. 
Uh, so may I'm have changed take, since then, but so I'll take KC to win by by one and a half. I think yeah, I think still. they win. I think they win by six. I think they win a. They win a twenty-one to twenty-seven game. No, they win oh, a twenty-four yeah. to they win a twenty-four to thirty game. Twenty-four right. to thirty, Chiefs win. I think. Uh, I think the Niners go up early. I think we follow not an identical but a similar script to what we saw. Uh, in 2020, just before COVID, um, I think we're gonna see, uh, I think we're gonna see the Pat or the uh, the Pats. I, I hate that I just said that because that's what it feels like. It feels like I'm talking about the Patriots. Um, I think we're gonna see the Chiefs kick a bunch of field goals in the first half, and then maybe be down like you know 17 to nine at half, and then the offense just like it always does figures it out in the second half, puts up three scores. So. Right. Um, that's how I see it going. Uh, 30 to 24, uh, Chiefs win. And I need Andy Reid to retire. Go, go to Hawaii. Retire to Hawaii, please. Get out of the NFL. I'm, yeah, we'll I'm, see if it happens. I'm begging you. Get out of the NFL, please. Here's the thing. Nobody be, nobody has beat him with Pat. It it took it took Pat's worst game of football or worst half of ball since he was in Lubbock. As a young player in Lubbock, not just like a junior, I'm talking like as a freshman, it took his worst half football in probably almost a decade for Cincinnati to beat them, and then Tampa beat him with a with a really good defense and Tom Brady on the other side. Like yeah. they don't get beat. That's the thing. So right. man, get Andy out of the NFL, dude. Like seriously, please. I I need it. As long as he's there, they're they're the favorites. They should be favored in every single game. I don't really care what the record is. Chiefs minus three should be the minimum every line. So as long as Andy does. so get Andy out of the NFL, please. If please Chiefs win, so Andy can retire a two time a back to back champ. Please, seriously, I need it so bad. I'd much rather have Kelsey retire than Andy. Oh, I'd honest. rather have Andy retire. I don't care. I don't. I mean, I don't care if Kelsey retires. The I'd media have him retire. The media antics don't bother me. That's the thing. Like I'd rather the I'd rather the Chargers win football games against the Chiefs. That ain't happening with Andy Reid there. It's just not happening. I don't know. I mean, I you'd like to think not, but I, I don't mean, know what they look like without Kelsey. Fair, but they look without Andy though. Who takes that job? Vrabel, I'm who's sure gonna coach? Get who's gonna coach offense? I, all I'm saying is, all I'm saying, I'd rather I want Andy to retire. Yeah, no, I do Because Tra- Travis ain't gonna retire right now. I don't think he retires right now. I wouldn't think so, but you never Unless know. Unless Taylor's um, like, hey man, you're done. You're too done. You're done. Yeah. No, he's he's got he's got another three to five years of ball, I think. That's why it's not even a thought. I'd rather Andy Andy retire. Yeah. I mean, let me pick. I'd rather have Mahomes retire, but I mean, that's not happening. So give me. Uh, we get Andy to retire, please. It's been long enough. We'll see what happens this Sunday, though. Should be a, should be a good game. I know a lot of people aren't really that interested. You and myself included. Yep. Um, in comparison to years past, but it is what it is. Still Super Bowl, still the biggest event on TV every year. Um. Moving on to close it out with the ice bath, though. I'll kick it off since my thing's kind of related to the episode. Um, I just still can't believe that the Orioles actually made a legit move and not just, like, 
oh, they avoided arbitration, got this guy back. Like, like a legit move with a legit trade for a frontline starter. Um, it's huge. I think it's huge in more than just finding an A standpoint. From an organizational standpoint, for a fan base standpoint, uh, they put the faith back in this fan base. They can compete and not just, you know, sign mid-level starters that, you know, just play okay and draft really well. I mean, they signed a guy, or they didn't sign him, they traded for a guy, giving up guys that they developed, which says a lot. Um, so I'm just really excited about it, and hopefully they, the trend can continue. Yeah, I'm glad they made a move, honestly. Um, not just because, like, I'm 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 rooting for Brett's teams um, when they're not playing the Dodgers. Like, I'm obviously yeah, I'm glad the Orioles made a move for for Brett's sake, but like, I think from a baseball standpoint, and I've said this before, because there's been a lot of discourse about salary caps, right, with what the Dodgers did and what the Mets have done. I like to point out the Dodgers are not even the third, not even the second highest payroll in baseball this year. I'm gonna point that out for everyone who wants to get upset. Um, Again, a salary cap isn't like the the or the fact that we're shocked a contender traded for a, a a Cy Young pitcher who was available and is due a contract. The fact that we're shocked the Orioles did it is that's an example of like, hey, we need a salary floor, guys. We need to just be spending money. We need to be spending the money that we're making and reinvesting it into the sport and into the team. And that's what we're seeing with the Orioles with this with you know, with new ownership. To, the Royals just spent a bunch of money, and the Orioles are about to spend a bunch of money. Two teams who have been at the forefront of not spending and have been part of the problem in baseball with ownership, right? Like that's I'm I'm yeah. glad the Orioles made a move for that for baseball's sake. That's a really good thing, and um, I hope we see more of it. Honestly, I hope we see more right. of it. I hope obviously the Reds start spending. I hope we see the Pirates start spending. I hope we see the A's start spending. The Nationals, all these teams who historically haven't paid their stars. I'd like to see them start paying these guys. So um really glad about the Orioles doing that. Again, not just for for Brett's sake, um, but for before, you know, the sake of baseball. Um my ice bath this week, um, Joe Ortiz had his introductory press conference as the GM of the Los Angeles Chargers on Tuesday. Um I took my one of my couple study breaks for the day and um and watched. And uh as someone who I don't know if we're talking about it on the pod or not, but um, as someone who is a pseudo Ravens fan at this point, because I've spent so much time around Brett, and I mean, shoot, we lived together for two years, two off seasons. I did yeah. the whole song, and I, I've, I've seen it, right? I've seen it up close and up, up close and personal. So, um, as someone who who wanted Joe Ortiz from the jump, the second that they, they that they fired uh, Tom Telesco, I wanted Ortiz, um, a guy that I've been one of his biggest supporters, kind of in the Chargers fan community that I'm in. Um, I've probably been his biggest supporter since out the gate. Um, I was the most excited when we got him. Um, I've still been the most excited about him. And um, his press press conference was awesome. As a breath of fresh air, someone who's upfront, honest, open, um, will answer any question, usually not going to dance around stuff. Obviously kind of, I don't say dance around, but he's like, you know, listen, we haven't hired no C yet. We're working on it. Um, very upfront, very forward very respectful about it like he's not an he's not a dick about it he's cool um he's a super he's he's funny he's lighthearted um all that stuff in tandem with the fact that he said some awesome stuff about comp picks and about building a team and about the relationship with jim and the and 
how that dynamic's going to work and the relationship with the whole team and really bringing the what Baltimore did to Los Angeles and being a tight knit front office where everyone has a voice and and it's it's not just the GM and the coach it's everybody it's a collaborative effort we want to be collectively right on we want to be rather be individually wrong and collectively right than individually right and collectively wrong was something that he said that I had a lot of respect for. Um, and I love that. And so he was everything I expected and more. Um, what did you think about Joe Ortiz jersey? I said to somebody, I was like, man, can we get like, can we put these guys in unis like we do with the uh, baseball managers? You, you, you been, can customize one. Yeah, I got to figure out what, what, what Joe's lucky number is, maybe. Yeah. Sneak into a live. Uh, no, seriously, though, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about Joe Ortiz. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm really excited about Jim. Um, and the staff he's put together defensively has been, I mean, awesome. Um, they kept Ryan Ficken, hiring Jesse Minner, they're bringing over the D-line coach from Michigan, uh, which is big. They got Ben Herbert. Um, they're bringing over a receivers coach from who works with DK in Seattle, which I'm super excited about. Um, they brought back Shane Day, who was Justin, Justin Herbert's quarterback coach for two years and arguably his two best seasons. Um, they're bringing back bringing another guy from Michigan, and they're bringing, they may, might be bringing the secondary coach. I won't talk about the offensive coordinator and the passing game coordinator. I'm not a huge fan of those moves. Um, but all in all, like I'm, I'm pumped about Jim. I'm like tenfold excited about Joe Ortiz. Dude. I think he's going to do awesome stuff. Um, super excited about that. Glad staff's getting put together. Um, but yeah, man, Ortiz is, is, the, is the real deal, and I'm, and I'm really excited about it. I know I've always heard Brett talking about him um, in the offseason, and uh, – He's the guy that I've wanted. He's the guy I wanted from the jump that got him, and he's and he's even better than I wanted him to be. So um, now we just got to see it uh, put together and and his plan in action. But I'm I'm could not be uh, more excited and more uh, more hopeful and uh, kind of rejuvenated as a fan, uh, if you will. So super excited about that. Yeah, no, it would be my first pick. I mean, I've seen firsthand what he does to an organization and how big of an impact he can have, not even as a GM, but as a director of player personnel that he was with the Ravens. Uh, he climbed his way up from a grad assistant all the way, um, you know, being with the organization since like 1998, um, basically being there since its inception. And I just think the way he goes about business is very first class. And that's kind of how it's been across the Ravens organization from a front office standpoint, from ownership to GM, player personnel, to all the scouting guys. Um, yeah, it's huge. And I think LA made the best move they could. And he might not have, you know, he should have a good first year. But the thing is with GMs, especially in the draft front, is the longer you're with the team, the better you know them, the more you'll be able to kind of mold your style with the direction the team needs to go. And so I think you'll see not only this year, but especially in a few, like two, three years, him really, you know, show up as one of really like a top five GM um, in as soon as a few years, just because of, like I said, the way he goes about it, um, just how he scouts, what he looks for. It's the right stuff. I mean, he was a guy that kind of pushed for the Ravens to trade back into the first back in 2018 and get Lamar. Um, I know he was really high on Marlon Humphrey, who was an all pro a couple years ago. Um, he's had guys that have been his guys and has panned out really well. Obviously, it's the draft. Not every pick's going to hit. I mean, in a draft, if you have two picks that hit, that's that's a good draft. And I think um, I've been accustomed to having three or four that hit where you have three or four guys in each draft that start for multiple seasons at a, you know, 
average or above average level. And I think that's where you're going to get with Ortiz. Um, you know, it is a little easier when you're picking fifth. I think from for his standpoint, it's more of a can't miss pick. And I think he's going to start at five and then have an incredible draft after that, especially on day three is kind of a specialty um, within the Ravens organization. It's kind of been uh, known across the board that, you know, struggle a little bit on day two, but day three, they always hit it out of the park. So a lot to look forward to for, you know, the Chargers organization, fan base, players, coaches, front office, everyone involved. And uh, obviously sad he's gone as he had a huge impact in the Ravens organization, but really looking forward to seeing what he does for the Chargers in the future. Yeah, man, I'm uh, pumped. I, uh, like I said, I, so rejuvenated just, just watching it the other day. And um, like you said, it, it's a little different at five. Um, you've got a lot of really, really quality options, um, especially with all this news about apparently J.J. McCarthy's getting getting love in the top ten. I don't buy it. I think it's BS. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this Antonio Gates thing next week. I don't want to talk about it tonight. I'll talk about it next week. Him not making the Hall of Fame first ballot. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, he could, uh, he could trade back, you know, kind of to eight, you know, five, six, seven, eight if someone wants to flop. Those just sit there and take the best player available or the, one of the best players available, right? I mean, you've got uh, four pass catchers who are all really, really special. Um, you've got a really good tackle in Joe Walt. You've got a really good tackle in o- Olu. Olu Fashano, I don't know if I'd take him at, at five. Uh, I had the other guys on the board, but I can understand Joe Walt for sure. Um, kind of projects naturally at right tackle as well. So, But like you said, a lot, a lot, a lot he can go right with at, at five and um, kind of beyond. I'm, I'm excited for the day three guys, honestly. Day three is where uh, – is where the money is made. Obviously, that's where uh, to where GMs kind of separate themselves from being uh, the Eric DaCostas and the Hallie Rosemans from the Tom Telescos is on day three. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the, the running backs are going to be so much better now. They'll be hitting on them day three running backs for once, for once in a while instead of drafting Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Isaiah Spiller, I'm over that. We're getting some studs in here now. So fully expecting a Bucky Irving, Braylon Allen, Andre Estime type vibe on day three. So I'm, I'm I'm with it. As long as it's not Blake Corum, I'm with it. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. Um, we'll get mock drafts started up here in about early March, so stay tuned for that. But that'll about do it for us today um, on the episode. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. We'll still have two episodes next week. Schedule might be a little bit altered as it was this week, but we'll, however, uh, still update y'all on everything that we're due to talk about. Um, Of course, with a hot take and an ice bath to start off and close it out per usual. Uh, So thanks for tuning in. Follow us on X and Instagram at Cold Seat Podcast. Stay up to date on most of the latest news, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. See you guys then.